0: right, I'm going to crack on. I'm Chris, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm one of the pastors here at Ashford Vineyard. I'm going to start this morning. I just want to read you um, something from Matthew's part of Jesus' life and a story that happened, and I'm in the wrong page, but there it is. Um, It's going to come up on the slides, Um, but if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it. It's going to be at Matthew 14. It's page 46 in mine. I don't know what page it is in yours. Um, uh, if not, grab your phone and have a look, or it'll appear on the screens. But, uh, can you please flick it forward, Kathy? Thank you. Right. So Matthew 14:22: Jesus walks on the water. As soon as the people were fed, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 with the two loaves and the five fishes. Other way round, yeah. Other way round, but all good. Some yeah, some bread and some fish. Jesus fed a load of people. Awesome. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples to get into their boats and to go to the other side of the lake, while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray, and as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble. For their boat was tossed about by the high winds and heavy seas. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. And when the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they were terrified and screamed, A ghost! Then Jesus said, Be brave and don't be afraid. I love this. He just then says, I am here. (laughs) Peter shouted out, Lord, if it's really you, Then have me join you on the water. Come in and join me, Jesus replied. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realised how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand, lifted him up and said, What little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased. Then all the disciples crouched down before him and worshipped Jesus. They said in adoration, You are truly the Son of God. And I love this. I'm going to read this bit at the end as well. After they crossed over and landed at Gennesaret, the people living there quickly recognised who he was. They were quick to spread the news throughout the surrounding region that Jesus had come to them. So they brought him all their sick, all their sick, begging him to let them touch the fringe of his robe. And everyone who touched it was instantly healed. I bet Gennesaret was a very healthy place to be after that. Um, yeah, I love that. So, Jesus walks on the water, and so does Peter walk on the water. And at their um, leadership training day uh, two weeks ago, I don't know if you have these moments where you walk into a, a space or a building and you're just so distracted. There are people around you all over the place. There are like, things going on in your head. The things like, Have I left the oven on? Have I bought enough lunch? Is the coffee okay? Um, just one of those days. And When I walked into the leadership training day uh, that Nic- Nicola Neil led two weeks ago, I went into Petten village all that morning a bit like that. We'd walked in there'd been a slight issue with the coffee there'd been there were people there and I was like trying to settle down from the journey there and go I need to speak to that person I need to catch that person today what, what's going to happen like and as I walked into that space and worship started all of these things were still running around in my head a little bit. And I'm someone that normally actually finds it quite quite straightforward to to, um, to, to kind of engage with, with God and just worship him and get into that room. But that morning I was really struggling to kind of step into that and choose to step into that. And I felt God say to me, as all of this was rushing through my head, he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. stop a sec. You need to put your blinkers on. Now, I love that God speaks to us in ways that we find relevant to us, that we we understand, and to some people I think that might have been a little bit of a a weird thing, Um, put your blinkers on. I think so often we hear the phrase, take your blinkers off and look around you, but in that moment I felt like God was saying, put your blinkers on. And so this is relevant for me, because some of you might not know that I am from quite a horsey background. (laughs) My mum used to work, and does now. She had a bit of a gap at stables. And uh, I'm going to show you a photo. Hopefully it will come up. This is her. She's in the middle. Um, the horse, Freddie is at the front. And her friend, Anita, is on the back doing all of the, the steering and stuff that they do. Uh, my mum is a national champion carriage driver in the class she's in. She is fantastic at what she does, and she loves horses, and that's her horse, Freddie. But... She fully admits that without Freddy, none of this would would be as good as it is. But Freddy needs his blinkers. If without the blinkers, they're the black things that cover their eyes and focus them like that. And they're the thing. Without them, he would get distracted. He'd kind of be looking all over the place. And in horse racing as well, you see it. And they look around everything else, get distracted. And the focus, the blinkers help the horse focus on the task at hand. When the blinkers go on, this is what he's doing. And um, having grown, grown up around horses and, and seeing them, and I kind of feel like it's a bit like, um, I think it's the dog in Up that keeps squirrel everywhere, and it's like, I think it's squirrel, squirrel, and they become so easily distracted and drawn away from what they're looking at, and, and not all horses need them, but, but some do. I actually googled what the um, definition of blinkers was, and God spoke to me as I was reading this, and I just want to read this to you now. And what I want you to do is, as I'm reading it, if you replace horse racing with the word life and horses with the word people. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, for me, me, this really spoke to me about what blinkers can do and do-do. Horse racing, so life, is a sport full of all distractions. Racetracks are crowded with people and horses, and more people. There are sights and sounds coming from every direction, making it easy for some horses, people, to get distracted. During a race, losing focus can mean losing all chances at winning. And for those reasons, people, horses, who are easily distracted, will often be outfitted with a pair of blinkers. They will prevent the horse, person, from getting distracted by anything behind or beside them. And for some horses, people, being able to see everything around them can lead to fear. (coughs) Blinkers will keep them focused on the task at hand, winning the race. So what does it mean for us to put our blinkers on? To fix our eyes entirely on Jesus, to be so fascinated by him to be so fixated on him that we just can't take our eyes off of him. I know we often hear about, and I've mentioned this before, about the idea of taking our blinkers off because then that lets us look at the people around us. But I really, truly believe that there are times when we need to put our blinkers back on again. Can you get to a stage where you're so fascinated by Jesus that you can't take your eyes off of him? What leads you to that place? And how can you get there? Now, in all of this as well, there's a verse in the book of Hebrews. It's Hebrews 12. And that says this. As for us, We have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon, race marathon, race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze Put our blinkers on, stare at Jesus, look at him. Yeah. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us, and who leads us forward into faith perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross, conquered its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Now if you look at some of the translation of that passage in the word, the words fasten our gaze or fix your eyes, that implies a choice that you make a definite looking away from the things that are surrounding you and a choice to focus that attention onto Jesus instead. And as we look at Peter, as he got out of that boat where Jesus said, come on in, come and join me on the water. It says, he realised how high the waves were and he became frightened. Save me, Lord, he cried out. In that moment, he saw the waves going on around him. The seas were quite rough. The, 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 some of the were, disciples were amazing fishermen. And they, they would have taken a lot to freak them out with a storm. But Peter, in that moment, as he's getting out onto the water, stepping out of the boat, he, he takes those first steps. I don't know whether you've noticed, he does actually get going. He begins to walk towards Jesus. And I imagine at that point he's getting out and he's seeing Jesus there and he's heading towards him. But then he realises the waves, life crashing around him, the reality of his situation. And he needs in that moment to say, Christ, save me, Lord. Jesus stretches out his hands and takes him. And I imagine him going, look at me, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right, we're going to get to the boat. And in that moment, the wind and wave didn't stop But Jesus guides Peter back to the boat. It's when they get back in the boat that the waves stop. So Jesus is there, and as Peter fixes his eyes on Jesus, he guides him through the waves and the wind crashing around them. I found it fascinating, like I just said, that the waves didn't stop. The wind didn't stop until they were back into the boat. So I don't know what's happening in in your life or going on for you at the moment and what the waves and the winds are that surround you and crash against you and distract you. But I think Jesus is calling you and just saying, it's okay, look into my eyes. Fix your gaze on me. I'll guide you through this. I'll lead you through this. And... There's a, um, there's a sense, I think, where we need to take the opportunities to fix our eyes on Jesus and to, to practice and to get to those moments. And there was a moment that happened this morning, I don't know whether you saw it in worship, where as we were worshipping, we got to a point of Nick was singing out over us. And for me, there was that point of, We're at the place of complete adoration. God is singing over us. God is speaking to us and we're there as his gathered people singing and praying to him as well. And so I want to encourage you to notice those moments, to see them and to take the opportunity to say, what does this look like when you see those moments? What does it look like when I'm I'm in God's presence in such a way that there's a tangible feeling around that? We have worship in a meeting like this. We have times like worship in the round. (coughs) When we're at circles or when we're putting on a, a CD in our car. And that moment when we get to worship him, we get to sing adoration to him. And we get to be in his presence completely. And as we get to that holy place, the things of the world around us can go strangely dim. And the focus completely fixes on Jesus. And we know there's hope. We know there's a way through. And we want to be holding those spaces more and more where we can see Jesus and focus on him and look to him. And we've had that happen so many times throughout this building. We've prayed for people and they've been healed. We've seen legs grow out. We've seen back pain go. We've seen people who were unable to conceive conceive, go go away and be, be able to do that. We've, seen, we've prayed for people and seen their lives change because they found money walking down the street because they've had checks in the post. And that's because we've taken our time, for one, for ourselves, to look to Jesus. But secondly, to grab someone else's face and go, are you looking at Jesus? And as we hold that space for other people as well, I kind of picture it like us grabbing people by the cheek, sorry, and going... Look Look at Jesus, look where he is, look who he is. God is always working and we just need to be able to focus in on that, put our blinkers completely on and we will see situations change around us as we do that. Now, as I've been preparing this week, there's a the song that I've... just quote slightly um, has been rattling around my head turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and that song was written by a lady called Helen those words were written by a lady called Helen Lamell. she released the song in 1920 and shortly after she released that song she went blind Um, I found out Um, and Life got really hard for her at that point. but I haven't got the quote, unfortunately, but in doing the research, I read a quote where she basically explained that actually she felt this song that she'd written, these words that she'd written, were almost a prophetic word for her, just to keep her eyes, which no longer worked in the physical, completely fixed on him in the spiritual as well. And I love that. And so the words to this song are, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I just want us to take a moment now as we... we, There's so much more I could unpack with all of this, but I just want to give us an opportunity to sit, to stand even, just to stare into Jesus' face, to put our blinkers on. And the problem's grow strangely dim that doesn't mean they disappear straight away God can do that but it doesn't mean we necessarily see that all the time but as we focus on him he'll guide us through it as we keep our eyes fixed on him he'll guide us through it so would you stand with me please and I just want to grab your faces right now and go put your blinkers on What does Jesus' faith look like to you? What does it look like for you to stare into the beauty of who he is? And as you do that, your life will be changed. It's a beautiful thing. Turn our eyes to you now. Jesus, you're beautiful. We fix our gaze on you. And as we do that, with all the worries that we've walked into this building with, the stuff we carry around in our lives, the the baggage that we've got, thank you that that goes strangely dim. That the wind and the waves that batter us from side to side, as we keep our eyes fixed on you and who you are and the beauty of you, they fade into to nothingness in our perception that we can focus entirely on who you are what you've got for us and who you call us to be He's calling you to gaze into his face, to gaze into his eyes. Just imagine him pick, grabbing you, like I've, I've said I wanted it to do, but he's doing that right now. He saying look at me. It's all going to be okay. Here's my hand. Look at me.